0: Welcome to Can, Can We Talk, talk About this? this? I'm your host, Amberly from The Power of Birth. And I'm your producer, Rogel from Bee Designs. And together we created this podcast to talk about women's health and the things that really matter. We have a real passion and focus on women's health and wellness and overall emphasize the importance of talking about maternal health. We chat to experts and continue sharing your stories. We're here to start the conversation, raise awareness, spread the word, call out gaps in the system and implicit biases. And we hope you learn something or even if you're just screaming yes, the entire podcast, this is not a place for small talk. We're about real talk. And when we know better, we do better. And we challenge you to start this conversation elsewhere. If you subscribe to our website, you'll receive a free printable PDF file with over 30 motherhood affirmations. I wrote these affirmations at a time when I needed them and realized they could actually help others. You can use them as a bookmark, put them on your mirror, bedside table, fridge, or even the back of your toilet door, wherever you want to help remind you of your strength, give yourself compassion, recognize perfectionism, rage, guilt, overwhelm, and enhance self-belief, self-love, and self-acceptance. You can give them to your family and friends, it would actually be the perfect gift for a new mom. Words have power, and I hope you'll be kind to yourself in this hard but worthwhile time. Head to thepowerofbirth.net to subscribe and download your free motherhood affirmations today. There's quite a lot of stigma around having a planned cesarean birth. Comments like, it's the easy way out, you didn't really give birth, you had a medical birth, you don't know what birth feels like, or even statements around women choosing to birth this way for vain reasons. So I thought it was necessary to do an episode on planned caesarean births. After all, three out of five C-sections in Australia are planned. While I don't think these women owe any kind of explanation, I do find it helpful to talk about it and the reasons behind it to help eliminate some of that stigma. So today I'm chatting with Samantha Keane, a mum of two, who had a vaginal birth followed by a planned caesarean birth. And we're going to talk about both of her births, her reasons for choosing to have a planned C-section, and her experiences postpartum. I know your circles have been very different to mine. So in my circles, you know, my mum had six vaginal births. And, I mean, I saw my sister-in-law give birth to her second baby, vaginally and I'm going to say very easily. (laughs) And, you know, a lot of my girlfriends, all natural style, vaginal birthing, then diving into the birth world. um, I started learning about cesareans and I guess contributing factors as to why a woman would choose to birth that way. And I absolutely believe that women should have that choice and that they can choose what they do with their bodies. There's no right way to birth a baby. Um, But this is kind of the context of why I wanted to be having this conversation with you because you were very strong in the sense that, no, you were having a planned caesarean and that this was the best option for you. And I admired that about you. Oh, thank you. The first
1: thing that I thought of out of all that is your mum had six vaginal births, and my mum had four cesarean births. So from the get go, I've never had a negative stigma with caesareans because I was a caesarean ces- baby, and like I've never even questioned it. Really, my sister had yeah. one vaginal and one um, planned caesarean as well due to birth trauma. So. It was just something that never really stuck out to me.
0: Let's dive in (laughs) now that you've got context. And so now you're a busy mum of two. Yes, two little girls, two and a half. Daisy,
1: yeah. Two and a half. Daisy is two and a half and Delilah is four months.
0: Four months? Yeah. Why did I think she was six months in my brain? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) just because it goes so fast is probably it does. why. I'm just yeah. guessed. It does. Yes, she's 4 months. So what led you to the decision that then was the right time to start a family? So I so I've many years ago. Always
1: wanted kids. It's always been something I wanted from a young age, but I wanted to make sure I had a house, I was married, and that I was in a permanent position with my job. So once all those were ticked off the list, it was time. And you've always loved kids. Yes, yeah, definitely. I always wanted to um, have kids and I'm a teacher. So, and that was something I always wanted to. So I never had any doubts about that straight into
0: teaching from school and then straight into a job. So I've been doing that ever since. You fell pregnant with Daisy and how were how was her pregnancy? Her pregnancy
1: was pretty good. I didn't really have any morning sickness with her. Not too bad anyway. Um, pretty good pregnancy really. I had pretty bad pelvic girdle pain with her um from about 24 weeks, so I had to stop exercising. Um which was okay. Um but yeah, that was quite painful. Um and then I just got lots of heartburn with her as well towards the end. Mm. Um but yeah, pretty straightforward pregnancy.
0: Mm. With her. Yeah. And I remember you being overdue. Oh, gosh. (laughs) And trying absolutely everything to get her out. Everything.
1: You name it, I tried it.
0: Come on, spit it uh, out. What'd you try? So
1: I tried the pineapple, like ate a whole pineapple. My tongue was burning. Then I tried the raspberry leaf tea. I'd already been taking that. Um, Sex. The gutter stomping when I went for a walk. So that was a oh I haven't heard yeah that so up and so you put one foot in the gutter and one foot on the road and you are like gutter oh, stop yes yeah. yeah yeah um bouncing on the Swiss ball uh, what else did I try oh I can't even remember anything anymore but
0: um, essential else? oils yes
1: I tried clary sage oil rubbed that right on um <laughs> oh what else oh I can't remember but. Everything, absolutely yep. everything. I tried, and <laughs> she. Oh, I had th- two switch stretch and sweeps as well, mm. and they didn't progress. <laughs> that didn't do anything. Were they
0: painful for you? No, were they, they weren't painful for me at okay. all.
1: Yeah, so mm. they were fine for me. Yeah, so I went into like pre labor with Daisy naturally. Um uh, My waters broke, so. I may sound crazy, but went into the shower and did um, some visualization, which I did believe was really powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, Do believe is really powerful, sorry.
0: Why do you think that makes you sound crazy? I don't know. It's
1: like hypnobirthing, right? Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. Yeah. So I went into the shower and visualized my waters breaking, and I hopped out and my waters broke. So, oh my God. Yeah, gosh. That was pretty I cool. didn't know. That. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was getting dressed after the shower, and pop they went, and it was like the movies. It was a pretty strong gush. Um, so I jumped into the bathroom real quickly and then screamed at my husband. Um, and so I called the hospital and they said, you know, just wait it out, see what happens. Um, oh, Actually, my waters had started leaking before that. So before they actually popped, they had already started leaking. I had a hind water leak with um, that. So I had already been to the hospital and they had already said that it was a hind water leak. And they checked it and they said, you know, we'll just continue to monitor things. Came home from the hospital, visualized, they popped. Um, And I went into pre-labor, just mild, very, very mild. And I was due to, to be induced on the Monday. So I went in on the Sunday to get induced because my waters had been broken for 48 hours and I was happy to be induced at that stage. I was 10 days overdue, I was completely over it. I didn't really give it a second thought, I was happy, happy to be induced. So I went in at 6.30 in the morning, I had to have antibiotics because of my waters breaking, so that was two hours. Then they started the drip at 8.30 and by 10.30 I was in pretty active labor. And it went from zero to 100 real quick. There was absolutely no calm for me. It was just mm. bang. And then I was in labor. I went into the shower about 11.30, stayed in there for a little while. I was um, bearing down in the shower and they were saying, it's too early, it's too early. And I was, you know, I was just trying to hold her in really. But I, in doing that, I pulled my cannula out. So I had to get out of the shower, hop on the bed, and while I was there, they did another internal. So they popped another cannula, I'm pretty sure it's called a cannula, in, and they did a check, and they said I was nine centimeters dilated, so I only had a little bit to go, which was good. It was uplifting, and I started the gas at that stage, um, just because I I needed something for my mind to focus on, other than what was going on. So Mm -hmm. I don't feel like the gas helped at all um, pain-wise, but I do feel like it helped me breathe and focus on my breathing. At that stage, so at this, I was leaning up against the bed, was up on the top of the bed, backwards. So on your knees? Yeah, on my knees, Yeah, over the bed, and it got to, I think it was about 2.20, and I looked at the clock, and I looked at my student midwife, and I just said, I can't do this any longer. Like, how much longer? And she said, it'll be soon, it'll be soon. And I was like, I need minutes for how many, like, I need seconds.
0: You were like about (laughs) about to give birth. That's
1: how we know. (laughs) Yeah. And I was just in so, yeah, I thought she was coming. And I had a sheet over me and the midwife lifted it up. And she was like, whoa, there's a baby there. And so, like, it was all action stations. The lights went on. They all came over. They all gloved up. And in three contractions, she was out. So
0: it wow. did not take
1: very long. She was practically already out anyway, which I feel like was pretty good because it wasn't a lot of time me spent focusing on the pushing. Yeah. Yeah, which was ideal. So then she came and she was passed up to me. And then I started having a hemorrhage. So. The, it went from quiet and calm and really peaceful, beautiful, to absolute chaos. There was doctors, there was nurses, I was getting needles stuck in me, left, right and center, trying to stop the bleeding. I had the um, midwives pushing on my stomach, hands like up in there, trying mm-hmm. to get out all the blood. Um, yeah, I just remember my mum looking at me and she was absolutely terrified. Um, I don't remember too much of the actual hemorrhage because I was focused on Daisy, which I think was probably a good thing. Um, and then I got the injection to get the placenta out as well. Um, but they stopped it pretty quickly like, very, very quickly. I ended up losing 1.1 liters. Wow. Um, so pretty decent blood loss. Mm. Um, and then I, they checked me over afterwards. I had a first degree tear and a few grazers um, and they don't, they said they don't tend to usually stitch up grazers, but they did in my case because they wanted to keep me um, from losing any more blood. So yeah, minor tear and minor grazing, so that actually probably hurt more than giving birth. The needle. Oh, <laughs> but, the anesthesia. Yeah, before they oh. stitch you up.
0: Yeah, awful. Yeah, awful. That was awful. not nice. So how did you feel about Daisy's birth experience? I felt
1: really good about her birth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a good experience. It was great. I had a great birth with her. I can't um I can't fault the birth.
0: It was good. So how was postpartum for you then as a first time mum?
1: So postpartum was great in the first few weeks. I absolutely adored it. I was so happy. I felt like I recovered so quickly from the birth, so much. So I, once I had my six week checkup, I started going back to the gym, and this is well, they say that that's yeah, okay, don't they? they? Do that's completely fine. I also had not got uh, had a women's health physio come to the hospital. So I didn't know anything about pelvic floor health, I didn't know that I needed to do my pelvic floor exercises, especially after a vaginal birth. So I didn't get asked at my six week um, checkup. So you know, I said, awesome, I'm ready to exercise, this is wonderful. And by exercise I mean go back to HIIT training at six to eight weeks postpartum without doing any pelvic floor um, exercises. So I went back, started to feel a bit off, about that went to back to the doctor she said to go see a pelvic floor well a women's health physio so i went and did that and i had a really weak pelvic floor so
0: i and how many months postpartum was this two months postpartum oh so this was eight weeks yeah Yeah.
1: eight weeks oh maybe 10 weeks postpartum actually probably a bit later So I worked on my pelvic um, floor, but also got a little bit worried at the same time about my pelvic floor. Yeah, I got a little bit worried about that. Once I started feeling better, I went back to just the gym and started off light exercise. But I fell on the bike on my bottom, on my sacrum, and really injured my tailbone. It took me weeks and weeks. I went to the GP. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. So I ended up going to a chiropractor. And yeah, my whole body was shifted, unaligned, and that was pulling on my sacrum, my tailbone, and pulling on all my muscles and joints in my pelvic floor. Yeah, so that was quite painful. I couldn't sit down properly. I couldn't drive the car because it hurt. It took a good few months of going to the chiropractor, resting, making sure I didn't sit for too long, all while looking after a baby, trying to work on my pelvic floor when you're trying to squeeze and your tailbone is hurting, not ideal. So I got really worried about that, worried if I was ever going to get any better, but it took a very long time for me to heal from that injury. Yeah. So that was my postpartum experience, uh, very different to my beautiful birth experience.
0: And so you think if you had have known that six weeks
1: It's not enough. It's not enough. And I definitely feel like things could have been different if I had seen a women's health physio. Just because I only had a first-degree tear does not mean that I don't have the right to the same access of information as people who have a second or third. Um, I still had a vaginal birth. You know, That's still a lot of trauma, and it was quite a quick birth too. So that's going to impact everything down there as well. You know? Yeah. So and I honestly wish that I wasn't allowed to go back to HIT training that early. Surely there should be some sort of screening. You know. Yeah. Have you <laughs> you know, just because you have your six week checkup and the doctor says it's fine, it's not enough. I didn't even know about women's health physios.
0: Mm, yeah, most people don't know. Until there's an issue. Yeah. And that's usually how we find out about them. Yeah.
1: And that's so true in my case. And I had to seek that privately as well. That that wasn't something yeah. that was going to be offered to me. I had to source it myself. I had to fund it myself. Yeah. So mm. I do wish that I had been told more about that. And I do wish that I wasn't allowed to return to exercise without seeing a women's health physio. I think that that should be something that should have to happen before anyone goes back to some sort of training like that.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, And I think by having these conversations, with people that haven't had kids or are currently pregnant or even I mean I mean my grandmother didn't know what a pelvic floor was and she had seven children so I mean that was obviously an issue in her time Um, but even as a 70 year old woman and me saying hey do you know what a pelvic floor is and still at 70 years old not knowing what it is um, I think that just goes to show that we really need to be talking about this we more. We do. And I'd and tell that's everyone that's pregnant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or just had a baby. <laughs> yep.
0: Have you seen a yep, women's definitely. health physio.
1: Have you seen? Yep. You? That comes from I know. you though.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm annoying. <laughs> I'm that annoying
1: person. No, we like you. We like you annoying us.
0: <laughs> you remind us. All right. Let's get into your second birth. So... What were some factors that led you to the decision to have a planned caesarean?
1: So I knew before I even started trying for my second baby that I wanted a caesarean for a few reasons. One of them was that my pelvic floor had gotten back to a good stage. I'd worked really hard to get it there and I didn't really want to compromise that again. Another factor was I was really scared that my tailbone was going to be re-injured. I have a pretty sore tailbone anyway from netball injuries and things like that. So I was really worried that that was going to happen again. And the third reason was the postpartum hemorrhage. I was a bit worried about that happening again. Not nice. And really hard to recover from too. Like taking iron supplements is something, but it just, it knocks you.
0: I find it interesting that you've said that about a vaginal birth. So you were you were somewhat fearful or had some kind of anxiety around some risk factors exactly. mm-hmm. with having a vaginal birth. Yeah. Did you have any worries going into a cesarean? No. I find that so interesting because I'm like I I have so many worries about a cesarean. So
1: I definitely did my research, like when the hospital tried to give me information about the caesarean because I didn't think I was going to get one straight away, I thought I was going to have to absolutely plead my case. They tried to give me information and I was like, I've read it all, I've done it, I'm not someone who goes into something without doing research first. So I knew that there could be risks, I knew that I could... You know, I know I'm going to have a scar there. I know I'm going to have scar tissue, that I could have the little pouch forever, all those things. But to me, that was way less of a concern than my pelvic floor and my hemorrhage. Mm -hmm. You know, they
0: were less to me. Do you you remember some of the risks they told you?
1: So postpartum hemorrhage was one of them. Yes. But it's more controlled. Obviously, okay. when you're on an yeah. operating table, I can't really remember. To be honest, there's so many though. There was there was a lot. It was quite a lot of mm. risk factors, even stemming to writing on there that death was a thing. yes. So it like had the most severe consequences, really that mm. could be. But you know what? That's something that could happen in a vaginal birth anyway. So, yeah. and that's what I really took from that is I looked at whatever it was in front of me, whatever it said, and I said, well, that could happen in a vaginal birth. That could happen in a vaginal birth. Yeah. The only thing I was really fearful of was the spinal, because Mm. I hadn't had an epidural with Daisy, and it was going to be something very new and very different for me. I've never Mm. had surgery before. This was my first surgery. Um, Yeah, wow. Never stepped So it was a big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal. Mm. It was a big deal. But, yes, I did my research, um, so I wasn't too worried. And I did focus on not thinking about it. Like, I knew it was a decision I wanted to make. I wanted a scheduled caesarean. So what was the point in worrying about
0: that? And so you mentioned before that you thought you'd have to plead your case. Can you tell me a little bit about this? So why would you have had to plead your case? And then why didn't you have to?
1: So I had been told by lots of other people that you can't choose to have a cesarean in the public system. So when I was trying to get pregnant with Daisy, I looked up the pub, uh, the private system, however, it's a 12-month waiting period, and I, had, I wanted to be pregnant right then and there. So I wouldn't have made the cut-off, so yeah, I've been told you can't choose, they will tell you that you need to have a vaginal birth, especially because on the books my birth looked really great. So, yeah, I thought I would have to go in there and tell them XYZ. When I went to my first midwife appointment, she actually said that to me. She said, you know, when you have your 20-week appointment, you can talk to them, however we don't just offer caesareans to people who want them. And I said, well, I've got reasons for wanting one. So that already made me really stressed for the next, I don't know, eight weeks that I was going Mm. to have to, you know, really tell them that I was anxious about having birth trauma from, you know, postpartum. And then I went to my 20-week appointment and I said, you know, I'd like a caesarean for this reason. I am really worried about my pelvic floor and what that's going to look like if I have a second vaginal birth. And he said, yep, yeah, it's your body, you can make that choice. Amazing. Yeah, straight away, absolutely no, no questions asked. He said, you know, it's your choice at the end of the day. We would, if you've got worries about having a vaginal birth, then a, a caesarean, if that's what you want, you can have it. Just sh- straight up. And then, so he was like a junior obstetrician and then he called in the senior obstetrician and he came in and he was pretty much the same. Just said. Yeah, if that's what you want. You know, we can't we can't say that by you having a cesarean you're not going to have pelvic floor issues again. Yeah.
0: Yes, yeah. So
1: that was really good. He said, but it's your choice at the end of the day.
0: I find that really interesting because I mean, I know people who have been rejected asking for a cesarean. Usually they are first time mums. Do you think that they would have had the same attitude, you going in as a first-time mum? No, I think think it's definitely
1: because it was my second birth and I had experience and reasons as to why. But I don't think that that should
0: be a thing. (laughs) No, absolutely not. Like we were saying before, it is absolutely up to the woman and her choice, her body, her choice. And, yeah, this is one of the biggest events of your life. You know, you remember your birth forever. And yeah, it absolutely should be that way. So you birthed in the public system. How did you prepare for your planned cesarean then? Did you have some kind of a birth plan or anything like that? I
1: didn't have a birth
0: plan. The only thing I asked them
1: was to delay cord clamping. I was told that you could get like the bacteria from inside your vagina and put it on the baby to make it. Like it has passed through the birth canal, but I didn't do that. I just did, yeah, delayed cord clamping. I I didn't really have anything else. Did you have skin to skin? Yeah, straight away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So skin to skin. So I had skin to skin. You asked to lower the curtain and pull her out? No. Okay. I didn't. Apparently that's a thing you can do. Yes, I
1: have heard that. I had a friend just tell me the other day that she had a clear screen. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah.
1: So she got to watch pretty much. Like it was still blurred. Yeah. But got to kind of watch it. I would have loved that.
0: Yeah, wow. How cool is that? Yeah, I still find it bizarre that you're awake when they do something so major. Yeah. It was insane. <laughs> like they cut through like seven layers or something. Yeah. And
1: the funny thing is, you can actually kind of see because the reflection of the light, you know how they have those big lights? Oh, yeah. You can sort of see the reflection. So. It's, I was like, I need to look away.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you didn't do any like hypnobirthing and visualizations or manifesting? No, I didn't this time.
1: No, so completely opposite. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, my thing was, if I think about it too much, I will start getting stressed. And that's what I wanted. So there's no point getting stressed about it. I made that choice. So. Mm -hmm. whatever happened happened do you know what I mean
0: so how was your cesarean experience
1: it was amazing I loved it tell me so we dropped my daughter off at my mother's house at 6 30 we had to be at the hospital by 7 30 we knew we were naming her Delilah so we listened to hey there Delilah on the way to the hospital (laughs) (laughs) it was really cute it was just really calm going to the hospital Obviously, I wasn't in labor. It was really nice going to the hospital. Like, it was a calm way to get there. So we got there. We checked in. It was pretty quick, which I was glad because I didn't have time to sit and think about it. I was the first cesarean of the day. So went in, got changed. My husband got changed into his surgery stuff. I got changed into mine. Then we went into the pre... It's like a pre-surgery room where they put in your cannula and I got a little bit worried here the obstetrician came in and she said you know here's um this obstetrician he's going to be doing your operation and I was like is is he an actual doctor like (laughs) I I only want the best here (laughs) (laughs) and she's like no he's (laughs) he's an obstetrician he's been doing this for a while he's just kind of like helping us out. And I was like, oh, okay, good. All right, no worries. And from there, they sort of just explained what was going to go on. And yeah, then all of a sudden I'm in the room. I said I was a bit nervous about getting the spinal. So they let my husband come in with me and hold my hand when I got it done, which was really good. That didn't hurt. I It was less than what I thought it would be. And then all of a sudden my legs went numb and they lifted up. The midwife was absolutely lovely, she spoke to me the whole time, told me absolutely everything that was going on. The anaesthetist was absolutely lovely. He told me everything that was going on. He, he spoke to me throughout the whole surgery. He was absolutely lovely, just made sure I knew what was going on. So after my legs had gone numb, I was up, they were pulling the screen up. They put on music. I, your, di- your music. I No, I didn't request music. I sort of
0: wish I did, but I wasn't even thinking about it. Like, that was... No, you wouldn't think about something like that, but absolutely, you can request yeah, music. you
1: totally can. Your music. Afterwards, I was like, I should have done that because she was mm. born to the nut bush. They played <laughs> like the nut bush? I'm so confused. (laughs) Yeah. But it was kind of nice because the midwives were like doing the nut bush. Like it was just really lighthearted and quite fun. Yeah. So they start cutting. They're just having chats amongst themselves. I've got Dan right beside me. And then they were like, here she is. So they pulled down the drapes and out she came. She was um, absolutely covered in that white vernix. Yes. Yeah, that is um, wow. So she wasn't coming anytime soon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she was going to be a Daisy 2.0, that one. And they took her over to the incubator thing that they have and just checked her. Dan went straight over. Um, he cut the cord. And then she was on me straight away, pretty much after that. And we tried, we just put her on my chest and sort of trying to get her to latch. And she latched. So I'm. Still getting stitched up, and she's having her first breastfeed, which was amazing. I was so, so happy with that, and I do think that that was because I did expressing of colostrum, so I had sort of built that up in my body before I went into hospital um and I did that because I had heard that my milk might not come in as quickly as it had with a vaginal birth, so yeah, she latched straight away um, they stitched me up. She went back into the little crib on the way to recovery. But as soon as we got into recovery, she was back on my chest.
0: Um, So you get, was Dan with you the whole time? Yeah, the whole
1: time. So Dan didn't leave me. Delilah didn't leave me. Um, I got the really bad shakes in recovery coming down from the spinal. Yeah, which was a bit crazy. But she yeah, she was happy and I was happy, and then I started getting feeling back in my feet. In recovery, I went to the ward, just had her on me, feeding her, lots of OBS, um, and then they started the pain relief, so I had Panadol and Nurofen and the good stuff. Endone? Endone. Endone. Yes, had Endone. I didn't say no to any painkillers, I was not going to be a hero. Give it all <laughs> to me. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. So that day went by pretty quickly. Just relaxing. I had the um, the pressure things on my legs that. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah, the stockings. Not the stockings. They were. It was like a mm. machine. So yeah, so they put these big, pretty much like blow up leg things on you. Wow. Yeah, and they just come down and go back up again. So they just inflate and then deflate, inflate and deflate. And I think that's to get the um, blood moving in your legs. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have to have the stomach injections for blood clots. Um, I wasn't a risk factor for that. But, yeah, you sit on this. Thank thank goodness. I couldn't imagine having to do that. No way. I could not have stuck a needle in my stomach. You know, after all Mm -hmm. that, I couldn't. Yeah, so I had those leg compression things on pretty much all day I had read in a blog previously that the hardest thing you will ever do out of this process is get up for the first time. So because I had the morning surgery, they came in late afternoon and they said, you know, we're going to get you up. You can go and have a shower and I knew it was going to be hard, but I had also read that. Once you do it, it won't ever be that hard again. So I just had to do it, and while I was doing it, I was like, "Am I ever going to be able to move again?" <laughs> oh. Like it was—it was very hard. It was—it was—it was hard to get out of bed, and yeah, your whole stomach is sort of out of action. You have no core, and your legs are just coming back from being wiped out. So yeah, it was hard. I had a midwife and Dan helping me um, in the shower. You sort of hunched over because you can't really stretch it just yet. So yeah, that was that was probably the hardest part, I reckon, getting out of bed um for the first time. Um mm-hmm. but it was really nice to have a shower. And then I came back into bed. I had lots of people coming in like every few hours checking in, checking everything mm-hmm. over, checking my wound, checking my dressing, checking my pad. Yeah, so it was really really good. And then the first night, it was really good that Dan was there because I had to have someone to get Delilah for me. I felt like I was a bit more relaxed with just letting her sleep on me a bit in the hospital with Daisy. I was all about put her in the crib, put her in the crib, put her in the crib, you know, but this time I was just, I couldn't move. So she could just sit there and stay there, which was really good. Yeah, so that was that, and I was really happy with my experience.
0: So I remember you telling me, and I always I tell everybody this story. Oh, yes. I know exactly what's going <laughs> <called. laughs> on. You asked to see a women's health physio in hospital because you had a vaginal birth with a first-degree tear and no mention of a physio at all until you started having issues and you had to find it yourself, like you were saying. So this time, surely, they've just cut through seven layers. It needs rehabilitation. I can barely move. (laughs) You can barely move. I mean, mean, people that have similar surgeries get physiotherapy. It's crazy. So, yes, the next day
1: I asked. I knew that I was probably only, only going to be there for two nights or three because they were happy with how I was going, I was really mobile the next day, so before I left, I said to them, the day before I knew I was leaving, I said, I would like to see a women's health physio, and they looked at me, the midwife, and she goes, I will, I will go and ask, and she came back, not long after, and she goes, we don't have a women's health physio to come and see you, you don't qualify, that's what she said, you don't qualify, so I said, I just had major surgery, um, why don't I qualify? And she said, it's just not something we offer. If if you need to see one, you can see them outside of the hospital. You can book an appointment or something like that within the public system, but that's a minefield. I mean, you didn't even get a pamphlet. Nah, no. Like the least they could do. <laughs> yeah, so she said to me, oh, what do you want to know? And I said, well, lots of things. Like, am I, what can't I do? What shouldn't I do? You know, I wasn't even told that you shouldn't really squat after a vaginal birth, you know, in those early days. I want to know exactly what I can and can't do. Like, I want it to a T because I want to be giving myself the best chance at recovery. She goes, oh, when you get out of bed, you just have to roll to your side and push up with your arms. (sighs) That, that was my advice. Oh my, oh
0: my gosh! It just it makes me make want to bang head my head against a wall. wall.
1: Uh, so yeah, <laughs> yep. It was. Yeah. yeah. It was very interesting, and I not was not good enough. No, it's really not.
0: No, no. it's really not good yeah. enough. And because I even hear like obviously when the incision has kind of recovered or it's not necessarily a wound anymore, you can start. Like putting different textures on it for feeling. There's like scar massage. There's all these kinds of things. Like that. These are the things physios can help with. It may not be related specifically to pelvic floor, but I don't get why it still doesn't qualify. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense, does it?
1: Yeah. It. So I had a friend who told who was a midwife. And she told me about the scar massage. So if she hadn't have told me about the scar massage, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have known. And I do do that now, even still four months after the shower. I give it a little massage. And um, I know a few other girls who have had caesareans since me, and I say, scar massage, you know, break down that scar
0: tissue underneath, Mm -hmm. um, try and prevent the swelling. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. So... Tell me a bit about your recovery then this time because I can imagine a cesarean recovery being very intense. And that's coming from someone who had two 3 babies, <laughs> which covering was intense anyway. But I could get out of bed, you know what I mean? Like there's just there's some things about cesareans that people maybe not know. So tell us a little bit about your recovery. Even if it was really good, you were still limited. Yes. So I feel like I did have a very good recovery
1: but very limited and I was very supported and I made sure that I was going to be very supported um, with my husband and my family and my mother-in-law. So I pretty much had up until four weeks, I had someone at the house helping amazing all the time. Yeah. So I didn't have to out washing, which I wasn't allowed to do. I wasn't allowed to drive the car. And I actually really appreciated not having to drive the car because it allowed mm. me to have time at home with the girls to recover properly. There was no, you know, I have to go do this, I have to go do that. I, it gave me time to recover properly. It, I wasn't mm. expected to be doing the grocery shopping or you know to be outside walking, you know, it was really nice to just sit at home, it was forced rest, and I think yeah, that's yeah. sometimes what you need, yeah. So, I couldn't pick up Daisy for six weeks, which was probably the hardest thing for me. However, we did try, and I would recommend this to anyone who wants one. I just really prepared her, you know, when mummy goes to the hospital, mm-hmm. she's going to be sore, um, only daddy can pick you up. And she would repeat it back to us before we went. And she was so good in, oh, good in understanding that. Yeah, really, really good. And, yeah, so there was no
0: washing, no driving. What about, like, when you're breastfeeding or, like, having babies sit on you? Like, did you have to be particular with positions? Uh,
1: not really. I mm. Yeah, I took the pain relief when I needed to. And I do feel like that helped as well. I made sure that nothing really touched my belly, or I didn't lift anything above Delilah. You know, mm-hmm. I even joked to my husband that I couldn't lift the three liter milk because <laughs> she was three kilos. <laughs> she was three kilos, so I couldn't possibly lift the milk. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so I really stuck to what they suggested and what to do, and I was very lucky to have the support from family and from my husband
0: um, because I think Mm -hmm. that helped with my recovery. Was there anything specific you had to do to take care of your wound?
1: No, so I had to keep my dressing on for a week. Once I went back to the GP at a week postpartum, she took off the bandage and I just had to keep it dry, make sure nothing really rested on it. So I wore a lot of high-waisted stuff, really soft fabrics that didn't really dig in to me.
0: Did you ever wear the SRC shorts?
1: Yes, so I got those. I didn't start wearing those until about two weeks postpartum because I was Mm -hmm. still a little bit tender and they are very, very tight pants. So when you need to go to the toilet lots, it's a lot of pulling up and over your scar and that was the bit I didn't really like, trying to get them down and then trying to get them back up again. But I would recommend those shorts as a number one thing to buy if you're having a caesarean. They supported me so much
0: Um, and I still wear them now. So the physio that I chatted to in episode six and seven, she actually said that wearing those in the first eight weeks postpartum regardless of how you birthed is what helps ab separation.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because when I went – to my women's health physio. So I went for a check at two months postpartum. So it would have been yep, eight yep. weeks. I had very, very minimal ab separation and I have no caving. So I was cleared straight away to be doing minor ab exercises. Yeah, Could you do, yeah, you do exercises, have eight eight exercises at eight weeks postpartum? bottom yeah. Just really, really minor stuff. So nothing that's full body motion, yeah. just, yeah. you know, small crunches and building up to the side and ankle taps, those sorts of things. There was a lot of oh, yeah. things she actually said would be a waste of time because my core was too strong for it, which mm. was really nice to hear. But so what, so what about your pelvic floor? So my pelvic floor, she rated it as a two out of five. Mm-hmm. which mine, that was pretty normal for me. I had gotten it stronger to a three slash four out of five. So she said just being pregnant and having that, yeah. um, you know, that heaviness on it. So she gave me some more pelvic floor exercises to do. It was actually really hard to do with a crying baby. My um, examination, she was hungry. I was feeding her while getting mm. my examination laying down. So ah. I yeah it was <laughs> the things you do mum yeah. <laughs> yeah so I actually felt like it was a bit stronger I had not really any concern with my pelvic floor after great so yeah but I still make sure that I do them as much as possible when I'm exercising I'm it
0: into my routine my exercise routine and mm-hmm. yeah just make sure I'm doing doing it very frequently so, how long do you think it took you to recover? I mean, you're only four months postpartum, so that's probably a really dumb question,
1: because I, f- you know, not you dumb.
0: Know, I feel like we're recovering for yeah, properly for a while. Yeah. So
1: I feel like maybe about eight weeks, I felt pretty good pretty quickly, though. I mean, by about four or five weeks, I was I was, felt pretty good to do most things. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't do anything I didn't have to do but I feel like I recovered pretty quickly and I I would say that's because I took the time to recover in the early days and I knew what was coming I knew I had a big recovery ahead of me um, Mm -hmm. and I put things in place to try and help that
0: you can really understand how this would be very difficult had it been unplanned or emergency because you did a lot of prep mentally and physically for this birth and ensuring that you had your village and all the supports that you needed i saw you meal prepping and doing all the things to make life that little bit easier after baby came because i knew you, you knew you weren't going to be able to do so much including drive and hang clothes on the line so you can really understand how this can be very shocking Somebody going through it, and potentially for the first time too, lots of first time moms have it would be, cesareans. and I can see why people have yeah. birth trauma from
1: it because if you're not expecting yeah. it it's going to be a lot harder you know if you yeah. go in thinking one thing and something else happens, of course you're going to have you know feelings and the first few the first week after is tough so yeah. if you didn't plan on having that village, you know especially if you've got other kids, some people have three, four kids, and then have an emergency cesarean and you know, yeah. that's that's a lot. I'm four months postpartum now and I feel really good. I feel really good. So mm. yeah, definitely better than what I felt four months postpartum with a vaginal birth because this was only yeah. the start
0: of me um being in pain and things like that. It's refreshing, it's refreshing to hear a positive experience about caesareans and while yes this is planned and prepared um probably two big keywords here i really feel like it's almost a healing birth for you in a way yeah and i find people that do plan caesareans it is because of that and this is why we should just have the choice yeah.
1: I am all for choice, and I've always, always been like that. And even in my pregnancy, I knew pretty much the whole time that I was having a planned caesarean, and I was very careful to tell only certain people that I was having a planned caesarean, because I did not want the judgement, and I did not want people to ask why, and I didn't want to have to explain myself. I didn't feel like I needed to do that, it's my body, it's my choice. You know, if I wanted to birth on the side of the road, that that's what I
0: should have been able to do without question. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because there's, like we are saying before, there's lots of stigma around caesareans, particularly if they're planned as well. Because I find when people have emergency, people will be like, oh, like that's so awful, you poor thing. Oh, sorry. People Elizabeth. get lots of sympathy. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, there sorry. shouldn't be. Yeah, all of this sort of stuff. But, oh, no, if you say you're having a planned caesarean, it's like yeah it is it's lots of judgment so much judgment so how do you feel about all of that you know things like cesareans are the easy way out and all this bull, bull. that <laughs> that's that's said. said um, um no, you know other there's other judgment. common misconceptions about c-sections as well how do you feel about all of those things
1: i try not to let it worry me because at the end of the day everyone's got their opinion um and i Try not to surround myself with people who are going to be saying things like that. You know, a big part is social media, so it's just scrolling past the negativity. Yeah, it's, it's my body, it's mm. my choice, that's my yeah. biggest yeah. thing. Everyone's definitely. entitled to their opinion, definitely, but we do need to start uplifting one another instead of dragging each other down. But parenting's hard,
0: and with that... <laughs> just makes it harder doesn't it (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) definitely I just feel like it's just another way people can comment on a woman's body or birth or pregnancy because I don't know once you have a baby in there it's like everybody has an opinion everybody has an opinion so you know you eat a little bit of cheese and you get judgment let alone have a bloody planned cesarean so it's just it's just this bizarre world we live in yeah even when you tell people like I told a few
1: people that I was having a um, scheduled c-section oh aren't you worried about the little pouch that you're gonna have and I was like no I haven't even thought about it like if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's not. And then from then on, I started thinking about it, you know? So it's. Hey, everyone. <laughs> hey, everyone. Don't get a planned
0: cesarean <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you'll get a, pouch. Yeah. That's a like, like Seriously, I was
1: like, that is not my main concern.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. People kill me. So you talked about breastfeeding being a worry, and so you'd express colostrum prior. How's breastfeeding going? So
1: breastfeeding is something that has probably been the hardest thing for me. Um, I didn't breastfeed Daisy for long. She fed for about three weeks and then she had a tongue tie. Um, She'd lost a little bit of weight. So we introduced a bottle. Uh, We got the tongue tie cut. However, she wouldn't relatch. And so I pumped for 12 weeks with her. Then... This time I was really, really keen to breastfeed, probably because I didn't get the opportunity to the first time. Yes. We're still breastfeeding, so I'm still going, but it's mm-hmm. definitely been hard. She's not an easy feeder, she gets a little bit frustrated, um, but we've been going to the baby Cairo, and anyone that <laughs> goes, ah, they don't crack or anything, it's just massage. So. She's got really tight little cheeks and it means she gets very sore very quickly when she feeds. So yeah, we're still going, but oh, my hat goes off to people who breastfeed because it is not easy. Well, it hasn't been for me. Yeah. So it we're still going, but it's hard. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I mean you are doing absolutely I I understand how difficult it is or it can be. And I know how desperately you wanted to breastfeed. Yeah, desperately. <laughs> as well. Yes. And you are doing an awesome job. People will say, just give him a bottle. Yeah. Do this, do that. But you didn't fight this hard to come this far. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And it's something I really
1: want, you know. Mm. And the good is there as well. Like she feeds well most of the time. It's just when mm-hmm. she doesn't. It's very stressful. (laughs) Yes, very. Very stressful. But, yeah, she's four months now, four and a half months, so she can start having solids soon, and I feel like that will help
0: bring me down because I know she's getting enough food. Yeah. Yeah. So how's the transition been going from one to two? Harder than zero to one. (laughs) Yeah, see, I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm like, oh, no, one. One was the most difficult. (laughs) Zero to one, good. One
1: to two, holy moly. It has been absolutely hectic. Um, I think it's getting easier now. Their girls are in their routine. Daisy's familiar with everything that has to happen. She's pretty independent. But yeah, the first few weeks when it's just me and them, it was very hard. I found it so tricky to be in two places at once. Obviously, breastfeeding wasn't really easy so that was stressful trying to do that with a toddler trying to keep her entertained give her as much love as you know I wanted to give her the housework to like you just you have to let some things go and Mm. yeah I like things clean um, but that was something I just had to had to let go but I think we're finding our feet now definitely yeah
0: one to two very tricky jump it is hard because you, you have to share yourself around and if you've got, you know, issues with breastfeeding and things, just these additional pressures on top of it all, it's a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot, you know, and
1: you don't only just need time for your kids because you need time for yourself and for your, mm-hmm. you know, your relationship as well. So that's not just two kids, that's two kids, yourself and your relationship. So it's a lot. And mental health was actually another reason why I wanted to have a caesarean because I didn't want to spend the first six to eight weeks of my daughter's life scared and worried about my pelvic floor, about what it was going mm-hmm. to look like, about what would happen, about the damage that I had done. If I was sore, I didn't want to be focusing on that. Um, you know, I knew how long it had taken to recover the first time when mm-hmm. I injured my tailbone. so. I didn't want to spend and I knew that if something had happened, I, I would have just,
0: yeah, my mental health wouldn't have been great. It's interesting. So I really thought that this conversation would be a lot about preparing and planning your belly birth. But something that's stood out to me in it is women need to be informed and that you being informed, simply even just a bloody pamphlet, honestly, <laughs> just to start you off or plant the seed even about pelvic floor, because that would have probably changed a the, lot. The path. Yeah, yeah it, would it would have. have. I, I wholeheartedly
1: believe it would have changed my birthing experience the second time around if I had been informed the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I I wish I had. I really,
0: really wish I had. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, I feel feel for you, Sam. I mean, you know, there's so many of us in the same boat and that's a completely other story. (laughs) 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 So, you know, this, this is something so common and something women are now screaming for now that we know and we are informed. And I love that you, I guess, took the power into your own hands and made your own choices and decisions about your body and your births and what was right for you. And I don't really think that you need to explain those things to anybody. Like you were saying, you were very particular in who you told and discussed it with for that reason. Um, But that was kind of my takeaway here. Not being informed. uh, We could say that about anything. We could say that about vaginal births. We could say that about um, cesarean births. We could say that about pelvic floor. But a woman not being informed, there are consequences for Different lack words. of better words yeah yeah we need to be having these conversations we need to be learning these things early on we shouldn't be having babies and then figuring it all out later by
1: yourself it's figuring it yeah. out by yourself too yeah you know only through word of mouth once you start talking about it with your friends yeah. yeah it's not good enough it's really not um i mean how hard is it for there to be a women's health physio on the ward
0: I know. Surely. I think think this does depend on hospitals too. Yeah, I think it's just hospital policy because some are, yeah, they're all different. So were you aware that when you were going into having a cesarean that you may potentially not be able to have vaginal births in future? Because I've read, and I think this is just a product of the way that our hospitals birth. But 11% of women have a a successful VBAC, 11%. In other countries, it's like 60 to 80. So Australia is actually really terrible at VBACs. That's very low. I was aware that um,
1: VBACs were potentially a lower statistic. Um, However, when I spoke to my obstetrician after, she said to me, if you want a vagina birth, this is how long you've got to wait to fall pregnant. And if you want a cesarean again, this is how long you've got to wait. Like, it was completely just, when you get to choose again, it's up to you, whatever you want to do. Mm. And I really
0: liked that. So you were informed? Yeah, mm. I was, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on. It wasn't too boring. <laughs> oh, my gosh, oh my gosh, no. no. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're listening and would like to share your story with us or feel compelled to talk about issues surrounding women's health, please don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. You can find us at The Power of Birth on Instagram and Facebook or on our website, thepowerofbirth.net. If you loved this episode, we would love it if you left us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and share us with your family and friends. The conversation has to start somewhere. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you join us in the next episode.